Hey everybody, this is Lucas from Coastal Vineyard. Just wanted to say thank you for downloading this podcast or maybe picking up a CD after service. We love you and we are praying for you. We believe that your best days are yet to come. So expect the best. We hope that this message inspires you and moves your faith into action. So sit back and enjoy. Psalms. 42 and 43. Now, these two psalms, a little bit of history on them. Uh, A lot of people think that originally these two psalms were one psalm uh, because there's a common refrain that joins both psalms uh, in 42 and 43. In verse 5, 11, and then again in verse 5, there is this notation that says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. So we find this three separate times in Psalms 42 and 43. So a lot of people think that this was originally written as one psalm. Now the author of this psalm were not told. Uh, A lot of people think it was David. Um, uh, It gives attributes at the beginning of it to the chief musician, a contemplation of the sons of Korah. So we're given this at the beginning. But what would happen, what, a Psalms, when they were originally written, it started with just one person, of course. It was one man or woman or whoever that was pouring their heart out to the Lord. Someone that he, you know, could have been in different stages of their life, and they would begin to sometimes just pray these psalms. Sometimes they would be sung. But what would happen is these, these psalms that were prayed and these psalms that were sung would then be translated into the assembly. Because there would be certain songs that would come out of the heart of often David and that would really kind of represent what the nation was going through as a whole. So then there would be these musicians inside of the house of God that would take these psalms and they would take them, put them together and make it the, the music of the house. Just as we had praise and worship a few minutes ago, it would be the same way with these psalms. So let's read Psalms 42. As the deer pants for the water, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and with praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for his help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember You from the land of Jordan and from the heights of Hermon and from the hills of Mazar. Deep calls into deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and your billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And at the night his song shall be within me. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why? Do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why 
are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me, hoping, God? For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. And Psalms 43, vindicate me, O God. And plead my cause against the ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and the unjust man. For you are the God of my strength. Why do you cast me off? Why do you go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God. To God, my exceedingly great joy, and on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. And one last time, he repeats, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me, hoping God? For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. So really, the writer of this psalm, he's pouring out his heart to God, and he's doing it really in two phases. One is, here is someone that has been cut off from the assembly. In other words, there was a time in his life where he used to go with the multitudes, and they used to go up to the temple of God to worship open and freely. Um, But now he finds himself in a position of his life where he can't do that. He can no longer go openly and worship God, and he's longing for that. He's longing for his soul. Oh, how I remember the days I want to just go and praise and worship God. Now, us as Americans, we have a hard time relating to that because we live in a land that's free. You woke up this morning, you got in your car, and you came to church. Nobody threw rocks at you. Nobody, you know, you weren't under threat that if you go to church, you know, this is what could happen to you. But the reality of the situation is this is what he was in, but this is also what a lot of people that live in other parts of the world face. You can't just go to the local store and pick up a Bible. In some places, if you're caught with a Bible, it's, it's a big deal. You can't just go and worship God. So there's a lot of people outside of America that really can relate to this verse in a way that we really don't know how. So at the beginning, we find the psalmist writing and pouring out his heart and saying, this is the position I'm in. I've been cut off from the assembly, but oh, how I long to go with the multitudes and worship God. But then there's a second part of it. There's a second part that we can relate to very well. There's a second part that says, hey, I am a believer. I worship God. I love God. But the fact remains that right now I just feel like I'm empty. He's going through a type of spiritual depression. He's saying, why are you cast down, O my soul? He's going through all of these doubts and all of these fears and all of these worries. But yet he knows God. He's seen him time and time again come through in his life. He's followed God for a number of years, but yet he's saying, why are you cast down, O my soul? Now, I know that you can't raise your hand or anything right now because nobody quite understands what he's talking about in this song. No one's ever been empty. No one, no one knows what it's like to feel like God is just a thousand miles away. I know, I know it's just this one guy here. You know, I know there's nobody in here that's been serving God for years and years, and then there's a part of you that just says, God, where are you at? It's like you're a million miles away. But yet that's where he finds himself in. I found myself there quite a number of times, and just knowing all of the right things, knowing 
the reality and the fact that God is close, God is here, but yet feeling like he's so, so far away. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. We're going to get right back to that. But what I want to talk about to begin with is the very beginning of the psalm. There's a notation that says, to the chief musician, the contemplation of Korah. Um, Why is this important? Well, it's only really important if you are from this, this family named Korah. So who is this family of Korah? If we were to rewind back to the book of Numbers, we would find a story of this family. Um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has, comes from Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those 12 tribes is the tribe of Levi. Now, the tribe of Levi was set apart for doing the ministry inside of the tabernacle for the work of God. So they would, be, they would be the ones that were serving as the musicians inside of the temple. They would be the ones that were serving as the doorkeepers, doing all of the things that related to the house of God in that time was the tribe of Levi. Here we find in number 16, Korah has come from that tribe, and he has stood up against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and he, said, he basically begins to say this. What are you doing? Have you led us out here into the wilderness only to die? Because they found themselves in a place where they've come out of Egypt. They've come now with hopes of going into the promised land, only they've looked and seen that the promised land is full of giants, so they've gotten scared, and now they're waiting in the promised land. And it says this in Numbers 16 and 13, Is it a small thing that you have brought us out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness that you should keep according to the to be like a prince over us. Moreover, you have not brought us into this land. In other words, they're saying to Moses, look, you haven't fulfilled what you've promised. Moses is their leader. They are ones working underneath Moses, and they say, look, you've promised us all these things, and it hasn't happened, so there's a rebellion taking place. And this guy Korah is one of the leaders of the rebellion. And so Moses stands up and says this, well, we're going to have a little bit of uh, a scene, um, you know, a contest, basically, to see who is right and who's wrong. And this is what's going to happen. Uh, tomorrow, if you guys are going to get in your group, and I'll stand over here, and then Moses begins to pray to God and says, Lord, if, if, if I'm right, you know, vindicate me. But if these guys are right, I'm asking that they would die in a way that's not natural. And whenever he prays this prayer, and maybe you'll remember the story now, the ground opens up. And it swallows these guys up. You remember that part? And then all of a sudden this fire comes down and 250 people are killed in an instant. And so basically Moses was like, well, I was right. <laughs> but this is Korah. This is at the beginning of the song, the lineage of where these people came from. So this would be a name that would be very much associated almost as how we would associate a terrorist today. This would be one like, oh, you were, part of, you were part of the ones that tried to rebel against our leaders. You tried to rebel against Moses. You were obviously in sin, and look at what happened to your ancestors. Look what happened to your great-great-great-grandfather. But then we find this over in Numbers 26. A census is being taken place, and it says this in 26.11. It recants the story of what had happened, Nevertheless, the children of Korah did not die. In other words, the lineage kept going on. 
And it kept going on in the time of David, and they found themselves still in the temple, and they found themselves still being as doorkeepers, as musicians, as singers. And so whenever this psalm opens up, and when the psalm says, a contemplation to the sons of Korah, it brings on all types of meaning. Because now here is a people, an entire family, an entire group, that has this label of being rebellious, of being sinners. But then there's also another label that's associated with it. There's the label of redemption. Because though they once fell, and once the ground opened and they were falling into the pit, the Lord and his grace and his mercy still left a remnant. And they found themselves still in that day worshiping in the house of God and still being leaders. It's the story of redemption. The entire Bible almost is the story of redemption. Starting with Genesis chapter 3 and going all the way to Revelation chapter 1 is a story of redemption. It's the story of man that was falling into a pit and drowning in sin and needed the grace of God to help them up. And let me just kind of clarify, that was all of us. So if you take redemption out of the Bible, you no longer have a book, you have a pamphlet consisting of about four chapters, Genesis 1, 2, 3, and then Revelations 21, 22. The rest is the story of redemption. So when the psalm starts off, it's psalm starts off these ones that are singing their story of redemption. They're singing in the congregation, look at where we once were. We once were falling into sin. We were once deserving of this pit in rebellion against God, but in his grace he has lifted us up. And everyone in here that calls Jesus Lord, that is our story. Every one of us, that is the story of redemption. It's the story of God having his great loving mercy on us. But here's the thing. In the story of redemption, we can know all of the right things. We could see God work in our time, in our lives, time and time and time again. And yet we could find ourselves like the writer does here, saying, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why, why does it feel, God, like you're so far away? Why does it see, feel like all of my bones are breaking, your waves and your billows crash over me? If anything, God, it feels like you're against me. He could find ourselves in those seasons of life where the enemies are laughing. It seems like we are forgotten. It seems like everything is going wrong. Maybe this morning you're in one of those times in your life. Maybe you know all the right things. Maybe you know that God is close. Maybe you've seen God work in your life time and time again, but it just feels like you're running on empty. It just feels like, man, there's just this hole in my heart, and I feel like a deer that's out in the wilderness looking for some water as the deer pants for the water. So my soul just longs for you, God. I'm just longing for you. My tears have come by me day and night, and I'm crying out for you, God. My tears have been my food. Man, Lord, I just need something. And we're longing for an answer. And maybe some of you came to church this morning just saying, Lord God, I'm looking for you. I just need more of you. And this 
is what I love. I believe the psalmist answers his own question. And he gives us uh, a repetition of thought and what he does. He says this in verse 4. First thing he does whenever his soul is downcast and he feels like God's a million miles away, he says this, Therefore, I remember. The first thing that you have to do when it feels like you're lonely, like God is at afar, the first thing you need to do is remember. Remember everything that he's done for you. Remember that pit that you were falling in and he brought you out of by his grace, just like those sons of Korah. Remember, the second thing he does is he says, I pour out my heart. Once you've remembered, the next thing you do is you pour out your heart. You pray to God. Everything that's inside of you has to come out. And, and it needs to be vocal. If you need to find a room by yourself or whatever, it, the psalm is saying, man, I pour out my heart. God, I tell you whatever it is, the good, the bad, and the ugly, Lord, here it is. I'm pouring out my heart to you. One, he remembers. Two, he pours out his heart. Three, he puts his hope in God. He remembers. He pours out his heart. He puts his hope in God. Often we'll find ourselves when we're far from God that we've put our hope in something else. Sometimes we begin to put our hope in ourselves. We begin to put our hopes in our jobs or we begin to put our hope in this or that or this. And he's saying, God, I put my hope back in you. And then the fourth thing he does is he praises him. I remember you, God. Remember everything that you've done for me. I pour out my heart to you, God. I put my hope back in you, and now I'm going to praise you for it. Even if I don't feel like it, I'm going to praise you on credit. I'm going to praise you now, even though I don't feel this way, believing that in the midst of this praise, God, you are going to fill my heart. And here's the thing. He does it time and time again. He remembers. He pours out his heart. He he, uh, he puts his hope in God, and then he prays him. But if you look at the Psalms, he repeats this pattern not once, but three times. And so that tells me that you could be longing, you could be looking to be refreshed, but it ain't going to be long till you need God again. You need fresh God every day, every moment. Lord, I need more of you. You could come, you could come this morning and get refreshed and feel like, God, You've encouraged me. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for just kind of feeling a little bit closer. But by the time you get home, it may be a whole different story. Or, or am I alone on that one, me and the psalmist, all alone? Because there's a reason why he repeats it. There's a reason because why, he's asking himself the question, why are you cast out, oh, my soul? And so he goes through the pattern again. He remembers. He pours out his heart. He puts his hope in God, and he begins to praise him again. And here's the reality. Sometimes we may have to do this every day. You may have to do it four or five times a day. You may have to do it again before you leave service this morning. Remember. Remember where he's brought you from. Tell him what's on your heart. Put your hope in God. And praise him. And if you've got to do it again and again and again, do it again and again and again. Because God's credit doesn't run short. He will show up. You know it. You know all the things. There's a, there's a moment in time where what you know and what you feel conflict. See, what you know and what you feel are in a battle. Receive us. Our feelings tell us one thing, and they often lie to us. Our feelings can tell us this and this, and our feelings can tell us, well, you're all alone in this thing. Our feelings can tell us that there's no hope. 
Our feelings can tell us that it's not going to get better. You're just going to repeat the same pattern over and over. You're going to continue taking trips around that mountain. It's not, your marriage isn't going to get better. Your kids aren't going to get better. You're not going to get a promotion at the job. Nothing's going to work out right. And our feelings could tell us all these things. And remember, they're in a battle with the truth. And the truth is, God is for you. And the truth is, David says later, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. You're going to be all right. God's going to take care of you, and you know that. But in those moments when our feelings and the truth collide, we need to do those four things. We need to stop. Okay, Lord, I remember. I remember I was once fallen in this pit, and you brought me out. Lord God, I pour out my heart to you. I put my hope back in you, and I'm going to praise you anyway in the midst of everything that I'm going through. Do those things. It must be lived out. It's a process day in and day out. I'd like to tell you a quick story, too, before we close. There's a story of um, a certain musician that was in New York, and he was playing for a symphony. And they were actually playing one of the psalms. And uh, I can't remember exactly what psalm it was they were playing. But the old uh, professor, uh, conductor, was teaching this, the, this arrangement of, us- of music to the kids. And halfway through, learning that the uh, instructor said, stop what you're doing. We're going to put away this music for now. There are some things that cannot be quite interpreted by the young. And he put it away, and they didn't play it again. Now, the young man began to think about that. He began to go home, and he began to read that psalms. And he says this, now I ask myself... When I begin to read these psalms, do I glimpse the sublime emerging emerging from the lyrics? The music, now that I am now far closer to my professor's age than I am to the students back then, I suspect that even now I am too young. In other words, some things have to be lived out. Some things take a process. Some things take time. The more... We read the Bible, and the more we know. That's why you can never truly finish reading the Bible. Because you read it again, and God brings new life and new breath. And it means something new each time that we read it. And every time, no matter how many times, it's just this living thing. And and even now, it's the truth, and it was then, but yet there's something different about when we lived it, when we've gone through it, when we've paid the price to do it. So this morning, may you find God. If you find yourself broken and sinful, we find a God that brings redemption. May you, like the sons of Korah, remember where you came from and look to see where God has you now. Your sin, his grace, and his awesome work of redemption. You may feel like God is afar off. Let me reassure you, it only feels that way. It may feel like your bones are broken and God has left. It only feels that way. So why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Remember, pour out hope and praise. Lord God, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank, thank you for 
the writer of this psalm that has poured out his heart in desperation, Lord God. We thank you that we are ones that have been, re- been re- rescued and brought into your redemption story. Lord, if there's anyone in here this morning that doesn't know you, I pray that you would touch their heart right now. If there's anyone in here that just feels like they're falling into that pit, Lord God, that this is their moment, you would come down with your graceful hand and pick them up. If that's you this morning, I'd like to pray with you. If you would just put your hand in the air. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come on.